Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Baptism, to be baptized, to be filled, and to fill. We've been baptized to be filled. And we are supposed to go out there and then fill the people. Hallelujah. Baptized to be filled, to fill. The book of Matthew, chapter 3, we see John the Baptist. That's um, a man came forward and started dunking people in rivers. And people were like, okay, what is he doing? He was, he had a word. And I know we, we've all grown up jumping a stream somewhere, creek behind your house, going to the pool. But that was not baptism. But today, because of the prayer and what the mind was set on, this is baptism. And it is to show what is already going on inside us. So we read verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is who, who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. The confession of sins is what has led to baptism. So for baptism to happen, for us Christians, as we know, to say we are going to dip somebody in the water and call it baptism is something that happens in the heart of the person. When the word of God has been spoken and the spirit of God has changed that person's mind and heart for them to believe in Christ and they have made a confession and that their mind, um, they have the conviction to follow Christ, we baptize them as John was doing here. When the people were confessing their sins, when the Israelites were saying, I am no more going to be that person or that being which I think is wrong, John was saying, we're ready. We're a candidate for baptism. So let's see. In the verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who want you to flee from the wrath to come? I thought he was ready to baptize everybody. But then when some people came, he was like, okay, brood of vipers. I'm like, John, be gentle. You're trying to win people. <laughs> but I believe he, he was speaking to the heart and was going to the main thing. He was not there for the sake of counting how many people he put in the water or dunked in the water there. He was looking at the heart of the people who came. And he told them, therefore, in verse 8, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Confession of sin, repentance, leads to baptism. The Sadducees, Pharisees, were no mere people when it comes to religion. They studied the word of God. They know the five books of Moses. They know who Joshua was. They know who Moses was. They know, they know even Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist. And they're like, yeah. We, we, we know you in and out. So we've come here to just baptize us. 
here to see what he's doing. He told them, brood of vipers, who has warned you to run away from the wrath of God to come, which we know is coming, and it will come when God's time is due, when it goes to the book of Revelation. But God has called us to have a clean mind and a heart filled with his Holy Spirit and turn away from our sins. He therefore warned them, therefore bear fruit of repentance. Therefore, if you want to be baptized, therefore be called Christians. Therefore, Sadducees, Pharisees, having learned the whole Bible, knowing every chapter of the Bible, knowing, knowing how the books of the Bible flow, we go for the Genesis as adults, knowing all that is not enough. Once you have accepted Christ, you need to bear the fruits of repentance. And this is the charge to the church, and the charge to those uh, who are baptized today. We are human. We do fall or we do make mistakes. But bearing fruits worthy of re- repentance means that if the tree is sick, if the tree is not getting the nutrition, you prune the tree. If we are trees of righteousness and we are not bearing the fruits of righteousness, that which needs to be pruned, we should allow ourselves with the Holy Spirit to prune. The mulch or the fertilizer that needs to be added, which is the Word of God and the humility to allow the Word of God to direct our lives, that fertilizer needs to be added to our tree so that we can start bearing fruits worthy of repentance. And verse 9, And do not think to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. And even now the ass is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. So he's saying to them, Salvation and being baptized is not tied to our lineage. Your, these Pharisees and even the Israelites have Abraham who was given the promise of God as their forefather. We, as the church, we have had forefathers who come to the church from the apostles, Peter, John, coming all the way. We've had blessed here at uh, Cornerstone. We have Pastor Willie. We have had Lee Griever. We have past many people who've come through as our spiritual fathers. But that does not mean that we have a past. Hallelujah. Our going to heaven, our baptism, is based on we and ourselves individually turning to God with our hearts and minds so that what our forefathers have poured into us can bear good fruit in us and we can be worthy and when the axe of God, which is laid to the uh, tree, comes, we will not be cut down, but will be called worthy servants. Verse 11 to 12. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals are not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather, and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John is telling what is about to happen with the Holy Spirit coming. 
And he's looking for that these people who are baptized don't just stop there. We've repented. We know Christ. We have our minds and hearts set on the right path. But we know that without the Spirit, we cannot do anything. Jesus says that without me, you cannot do anything. There's nothing that you can do as a Christian. We can be disciplined as much as we can. That is human training. I can train myself not to do some things. You can also train yourself not to do some things. Discipline can be learned, can be developed. But consistency in the spirit and living a sin-free life needs the spirit to fill you, needs the word of God to work through your heart in and out, to allow the Holy Spirit to turn you in and out. Um, We need as Christians and also especially to those who have been baptized today, moving forward, to desire more of the Holy Spirit, to desire the Spirit of God, to let his, allow his word to work in us. So to be baptized, we need to repent. We need repentance. And um, that is what brings us to, repent, uh, to baptism. And we do this baptism also. Um, Jesus did it. He called it to fulfill righteousness. When we continue through verse 13, 15, Jesus was baptized by John. And he said, hey, don't baptize me. And he said, I'm, I have to do this to fulfill all scripture. We do this because that is we baptize. Because when we look at uh, Matthew chapter 28, if you would please bear with me and open your Bibles there. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. We have been commissioned by Christ to do this. Because he said to them, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He, we have been commissioned as Christians that when we preach or when we share or when we talk, no matter the word you use for sharing the word of God or telling somebody about God, we, when they are convicted by the Holy Spirit, we baptize them in the name of the Son, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we witness that today. And we teach them to observe all that is commanded. We teach them to take this word, not just from Matthew, but from Genesis to Revelation. Let the word interpret the word as it is in context and then live according to that word. That is what we have been commissioned to do. So as Christians, we have been commissioned to baptize. And we have been also called into a new life. And I'm not saying we're going to since you've been baptized today, and I believe most of the Christians here can bear witness, you don't go home and wake up tomorrow and then you change. I don't know what's going to happen with that change, but you are no more who you are. You're going to still be in the, your, your body. Don't be afraid. You're still going to be your, your friends, family, co-workers will see you tomorrow, and you are still going to look the same person to them. But trust me, within you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work within you, there's a new life, and Paul talks about this new life in um, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 14. And 
we're not going to go through all the verses. But Paul wanted to let people understand that our coming into Christ and baptism is similar to Christ dying on the cross, put in the grave, sealed up, and then by the power of God, the grave was opened, he came back to life. He, Paul was making an analogy with baptism. As Christ died and rose again, as you were put into the water, you died with Christ. And as you came out of the water, you rose up with Christ into a new life. The life that now you live is a life that has been dedicated to God. By the earth, by the urging or the Holy Spirit giving you the, um, the, the mind, and by you accepting, you came up to be baptized. And I'm, I'm not saying that to say, did you read the, uh, the fine print before you allow yourself to be baptized? But I'm saying that to remind you that that is the fine print of Christianity. And if I know that the Holy Spirit had already worked that within you, either way, you wouldn't have agreed to be baptized. The, we were baptized, and then we died with Christ as he died. And coming out of the water, we've been raised to a new life, a new life that he has commanded us. And if you look through verse 10 of Romans chapter 6, it says, uh, and I'll go, maybe I'll go back a little bit to 9. Okay, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. Having you been baptized now, you don't need to be baptized again to come to Christ. Or say, you fall short of, the glo- you fall short of what the Bible tells you to do. Uh, you don't want to lie, you lie. The Holy Spirit goes like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Oh, God, I'm doing well. You know what? That's you said was a lie. You don't go like, oh, God, okay, I, I have to go back to Cornerstone, let them put me back into that pool to baptize me. No, we don't do that. And that is what the Bible says. Now, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Having been convicted by the Holy Spirit and you have been baptized, you don't need to be baptized again to renew yourself. That's why he has given us, as he says in the book of James, or in John, confess, the book of John, confess your sins. He has, now we have this uh, relationship with God that he has made us whole by being baptized. And even before you were baptized, the Holy Spirit has sealed you for God. You are whole. But just like when you, you are kids, if you are either a parent or you are in school, when the kids go wrong, you feel like, no, you're not supposed to do that. You tell them what to change. We need to change what needs to change and have our minds set on that God has already sealed us. We don't need to die again. We don't need to be baptized again. Verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its last. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead 
and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So this is the charge. We have been raised with Christ, and as he was raised once, we are not going to be baptized again. But we have been charged that our instruments, and that is our body, our heads, our arms, our hearts, our thoughts, which can go really far from wherever your body can be, and all that we feel, he say we should present them as instruments for righteousness, not unrighteousness. And that is the charge to our brothers and sisters who were baptized today, and not only to them, but to us who are here, that this is what God has called us to be as Christians. So we have been called to a new life. Praise God for that. And um, as we talk about this new life and knowing that sometimes we fall short, uh, he says here in verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves or consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So, I keep coming to this because there's evidence of how we fall short as Christians, though we have been called as, uh, we fall short as humans, though we've been called as Christians. But that doesn't cancel you being a Christian. What God is saying that don't let sin reign in your body. If you have, if you happen to have bugs coming into your house, you have ants, you wake up in the kitchen or wherever in your house they are, you, do, you just don't leave them to spread to the house. You try to take care of them, contain them, try to eradicate them because you don't want them going to the house. Especially, should you notice that there's termites in your house, you're like, oh God, that is trouble. You don't just go like, well, it's just termites. Um, let them be and let me be. We take care of the termites so that they don't go through the whole house to destroy the structure. We, as Christians, we are not supposed to let like termites reign in our house. We are not supposed to let sin reign in our mortal body. When we start having, we are doing things which doesn't go with the word of God, we repent and ask God to help us so that we don't allow sin to take over. For just like termites will bring your house to nothing, so will sin will bring a Christian to nothing. So we are not supposed to allow sin, in verse 12, to reign in our mortal body, that you should obey it in its life. So uh, nobody wants to have, um, to be, have somebody controlling their life. Unfortunately, as, as human beings and even sometimes as Christians, we give the keys to our bodies and hearts to sin. And sin reigns and takes taxes from us. And sin makes us pay whatever we don't want to pay. And we realize it's bad, but still we behave like we are helpless. We are not helpless. That's why God speaks in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, we have been given the grace to function and that grace is in our Lord Jesus Christ. So when the struggle to keep, to bring sin under the, under the obedience of the spirit is there and you're like, oh, I don't want this as Paul said, the things that I wish to do I don't, uh, the wish that I wish to do, I'm not doing them and the, those I wish not to do, I do he said, oh, wretched man, but says the grace of God abounds. 
and we have a high priest that is we call Jesus Christ our high priest um, as I stand here today somebody might consider me a preacher a priest but the preacher of the church the supreme owner of the church is Christ and in Hebrews 14 Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 through 16 says seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast to our confession our confession that we made today especially to those who were baptized and those who've had it I don't know I'm, I'm looking at faces here people might have had this confession 30 40 50 years ago <laughs> he's saying let us hold fast to that confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin so let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need this time of need here that I would like us to have our mindset on is our righteous life that we stand to live. If that time of need comes, that our body, our spirit, our thoughts, if being or sin is trying to reign, and maybe your strength, your discipline is not able to bring it under control, you are not able to bring your, uh, like weed, bring your round up and go after that, that weed of uh, sin, Jesus Christ here is saying, as much as you may try, please don't leave me behind. Please don't leave the Spirit of God. Please don't leave Christ in this fight against whatever your body lasts after that we are trying to overcome. For Christ who was tempted came here onto this earth like a human being was tempted in all ways but did not sin. He knows our struggles. Please, let's not take this journey alone without Christ. Let us call on him. He says that let us boldly come to the throne of grace. Christ sits on this throne of grace. And he's saying, let's come to him that we will obtain mercy and find grace. Let's come to him that we will obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. Let us remember this. We have a new life. And to live this new life, we need the grace to function in that new life. And Paul said, as we pursue this new life through grace, we have to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16. So in the book of Galatians, Paul started with the Galatians who were walking in the Spirit, having their mindset on God, and all of a sudden they started trying to use their own wisdom to live the Christian life. So the beginning of the Gala beginning of Galatians says, Oh foolish Galatians, who bewitch you? Who tried to make you change relying on this grace? And he said that in verse six, verse five, sixteen, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. Just as John said when he baptized that there's one coming after him, Jesus Christ, who will not only baptize you with water, but with the Spirit of God. He's saying, allow yourself, just as 
or just as I compared to the time of Noah. Allow yourself for the Spirit of God in you to spring up. Allow yourself for the Spirit of God from above to fall in you so that you be inundated from within and from outside with the Spirit so that we can walk in the Spirit and so that we will not fulfill the last of the Spirit. And why does God keep saying that? Because the authority to overcome it. And in the book of Revelation, he talks about the blood and our testimony has made us overcome it. Revelation 12, 11. So Revelation, he talks about, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We've been called as overcomers, and God lives in us to overcome. But when the accuser of the brethren comes to you, and he tries to accuse you, you may call, okay, I have the blood of Christ. He cleansed me, and what can wash away my sin? I'm whole. And he says, now tell me your testimony. When the struggles of sin came, did you call on God, or you said, okay, I'll let sin reign in my body? So they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So as we've been given the grace, let's continue in that grace. So this blood which cleanses us, we can have a good testimony and we can tell the evil one when the, the evil one comes to us, say, well, I used to be like that, but I'm no more. And the evil can say, what about this? Well, that was something which came by, but I never stayed there. I never lived in that. And that is not part of me. And we can overcome him by the blood of Christ and by the word of our testimony. And for the testimony of God to keep on going through us and for us to keep on having the strength, and as I've been saying from the beginning about the Holy Spirit, we need to stir up the Holy Spirit. We need to stir up the Holy Spirit, and we need to do that through reading the Word of God, through the Bible, and through prayer. Those are the two major things God has given us as Christians as our spiritual weapons, that we can stir up His Spirit within us so that we can take away the reign of sin and allow the Spirit of God to reign in us. So in the book of Timothy, chapter uh, 2 Timothy 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, he talks about stir up the gifts. He says, Timothy, this, the gifts that were given to you by the laying of hands, stir it up. The Spirit of God has come into you by confessing your sins, being baptized. Stir it up. Spread the Word of God daily. Preach, uh, read, and Pray daily. Stir it up. Tell yourself, I want to be filled with this Holy Spirit of God. I want to be inundated with it. There's not the Spirit of God encourages us to do this. And the more we keep doing that, we can realize that there's some strength that is beyond our human capability. That is in us that helps us to live this Christian life. We need to stir up the gifts. We need to stir up this Holy Spirit. And as we stir it up, we need the word of God. So First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Desire the word of God. Desire the, uh, this, uh, the sweet word of God like babies. This is what he's saying. Babies like to see. 
feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Though we've come to God and maybe, I don't know wherever you are in your journey, we could be, we are matured maybe, but we always have to also behave like babies sometimes. And not babies in your knowledge of what the word of God instructs you to do, but babies in desiring the, the milk of the word of God. For here, when the word of God fills us always, and we are stirring up the Holy Spirit, we're stirring up the Spirit, then we can have the word of God clean our minds, whatever, whatever things we're going through, and whatever things we're struggling with. So stir it up by desiring the word of God, and also keep stirring it up by prayer. Amen? Let's stir it up by prayer. And we stir it up um, considering 1 Corinthians 14.1. And before I go to prayer, talk about the um, the spirit, spiritual gifts or desiring the spirit of God. First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse one. And I'm not gonna keep you here much longer, <laughs> so please bear with me. I thank God that I had extra time because I felt like I was going to have like only fifteen minutes, and I got thirty minutes, and it's not yet twelve, so. I'm going to, I pray that I can let you out of here before noon so that I can just, when I meet you and you said you took long, I said, well, at least I was before noon. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 talks about desiring. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Uh, it talks about, but especially that you may prophesy. And I'm going to, since we're not teaching about the spiritual gifts, I'm going to stay with the first part. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love. Jesus Christ said, Nobody, if you don't love me, you cannot, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He who does not even love his neighbor, the person that he sees, how can that person talk about loving God? But in our thoughtful as Christians, as humans, we are not able to love as we are supposed to love. But if we pursue the Spirit of God and the Word of God will stir it up within us, our convictions about loving will fall in line with the Word of God. That we can love as the Word of God wants us to love and we can grow in the Spirit as, the, as God wants us to grow. So we need to pursue love as Christians and we need to pursue the Spirit of God to work in us. God has given us spiritual gifts, and it's in everyone. And once you stir it up with the word of God and with prayer, with time, you're going to see what God has put in you. But it doesn't stop there. You can also see the spiritual gifts of God as how it works in the Bible, desire for it, and pray for it. The word of God encourages us to pursue it. So let's, let it not be enough for us to be uh, pious, sanctimonious as Christians, and just leave leave it there. Let us push for the Spirit of God to be stirring in us with love and strong, uh, with the Spirit being strong in us. And so he tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, verse 17 through 19 says, pray without ceasing. And when you go to the 19, jumping to the 18, which says, giving thanks to God for all things. 19, do not quench the Spirit. Pray without ceasing, 17, 19, do not quench the Spirit. The Spirit of God that He has given us 
is Paul has, do not quench it. Let's push to let the Spirit of God continue growing us. Let's stir it up. Let the, the fruits of repentance be in us. Let us not allow sin to reign in us, but let's allow the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God to reign in us. Praise be to God. We thank you for his word. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, please, uh, I'm going to praise you to stand on your feet and uh, we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you.